Welcome to Cosmic You, the podcast where we explore the depths of spirituality, self-discovery, and the mysteries of the universe. I'm Holly. And I'm Bree. Through our journey, we've discovered that the universe is a reflection of our inner selves, and by exploring the cosmos, we can discover new insights which guide us to unlock our true potential. Each week, we'll be diving into a new topic related to spirituality, inviting guests along the way who are experts and thought leaders in their field to join us to share their unique insights and perspectives. Throughout conversations, we hope to inspire you to discover the sacred within yourself and the world around you. We are so excited to embark on this journey with you. Welcome to Cosmic You. Welcome back to another episode of Cosmic You, the podcast. This week we are joined by Kelly and Kelly is a beautiful love and life coach. But not only that, she has so many qualifications. This woman is full of wisdom, of empathy, and she is here to bring all of her passions to life and help guide you and your partner towards the most aligned, loving connection possible. So, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for such a uh, beautiful introduction. That that uh, was amazing. Yeah, I absolutely love working in this space. So working with individuals to develop themselves, to be prepared for a relationship, to work through the challenges of relationships and all of the nuances that uh, are involved in, in relationships, in relating, human relating. Yeah. yeah. It's a big job being in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The biggest. It's, it's a full-time. It's more than a full-time job. More than a full-time <laughs> job. Before we jump fully in, we like to ask all of our guests what their cosmic code is, which is their sun sign in astrology, mm-hmm. their life path number in numerology, and their energy type in human design. Awesome. So my sun sign is Scorpio. My uh, life path number is nine. Mm -hmm. Yep. And (laughs) confirmed. (laughs) Um, And what was the last one? Your energy type. Energy type. Yeah. uh, Is a projector. Nice. So it's interesting um, as well, like with the Scorpio, that's a lot of about relationships and sexual oh, yeah. energy and things mm. like that so even and as well stuff. like you know in, with your life path number you've got the three which is all about expression you've got the six which again is confirming that Scorpio energy in the relationship sector right and then you've got this projector energy which means that you're going to take these elements and basically project something out into the universe that it hasn't seen before so I'm really excited knowing your code how this conversation's going to go and and what we're going to come up with today. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And um, I'd just like to add to that. I learned Mm. uh, last year that my my south node and north nodes are moving from Aries to Libra, so oh. from warrior energy to um, relationships and, and oh wow yeah that's <laughs> yeah. so cool it's yeah. really go time for you isn't it yeah a hundred percent so it oh, all beautiful. kind of fits together mm. love that so how have you ended up in this space like obviously it's part of your code but what's the journey actually looked like to you getting here yeah gosh. How could I unpack that? I think obviously we kind of um, are, we gravitate towards uh, doing self work and, and doing inner work in areas that um, 
we, we gravitate to to work that is related to our inner work. Mm. Yeah. So obviously this is um, aligned with my life path mm. and it's just fascinating to me to be to be engaging in um, study that's related to relationships and self-development. It's something that I'm super passionate about and I love sharing that information with others and helping them work through challenges. So, yeah. How did I get into it? Um, I guess just going through life and and exploring things to help myself. Um, and I, I work at a university as well. That's my um, background. Mm. And I just love study. So I love doing courses. I love studying. I love applying it. Um, I love making sense of things and and sharing that. Yeah. So it's just an absolute love of exploration and mm. um, learning more about the human condition and, and improving um, how we go through life and making things easier and making more sense of things. Uh, if you, The more you study and the more you read books uh, – most things, a lot of things have, have been explained. Um, we just need to explore them and understand them and mm. apply them. Yeah. That's so beautiful how you say you need to explore them because yeah. I think that's something that us Westerners are still uh, learning to do is, yeah. the, is the embodiment part. We have a wealth of information, you know, offered to us all the time, but it's it's that experimenting and, and embodiment. So mm. it's really cool hearing you say that. Yeah, it's um, it's like triggers, right? They um, they they serve as a tool to shine a light on where you need to explore further and where you yeah. need to do some more work. So, um, relationships are great uh, tools for triggering those <laughs> parts that need a little bit more exploration and and work. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about triggers in the sense that I think sometimes what we do with triggers is we put them on the responsibility of the other person, like the person who's triggered us Mm. instead of actually flipping it a little bit and using it as an internal exploration of, okay, if that person's triggering me, what does that mean about me? And Mm. what gaps do I need to fill in? What haven't I actually explored yet in my life? I don't know if that was really a question, but could (laughs) could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think trigger is this word that's thrown around all the time and we use it as a way to blame people, Mm. I think, you see that happen a lot? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, it's an easy way to project the blame out to someone else when in reality they can't go and do the inside job for you and they can't do the healing that needs to be done inside of you. So it's, it's they're acting as a mirror or a reflection of, um, you know, the wounded parts or the uh, parts within that – that needs some attention and needs some awareness. So um, in that sense, the relationship is a mirror to the inside world. Um, there's a, a new book out by um, Stan Tatkin called In Each Other's Care. I think it's In Each Other's Care. Um, and it talks about um, how, yeah, there is a responsibility in a in an intimate relationship to walk with one another and be aware of each other's wounding and, and to support each other on their um on, on one another's inner journey. However, that we are responsible each for our own work. And I think having um, a trigger is like, um, there's this thing called gestalt and we have lots of wounds along our timeline where um, eventually if we have 
a repeated um, event occur and it's significant enough, it starts to build up. So if it only happened once, then it wouldn't be as significant and we wouldn't feel as bad. But because it's happened again and again and again over our lifetime, that when um, when we're triggered by our partner, it's a, the build-up of these events, the accumulation of these uh, wounding events that um, is sort of like the tipping point. It's like, you know, mm. someone sticking their finger into an open wound. So, yeah. um, But as I said before, it kind of highlights... Um, where we need to do some work. So it's this process of of unraveling the the gestalt, the the timeline of of this um, reoccurring wounding, so that we can kind of go back perhaps to the original event and find um, how that came about in the first place and kind of pull the thread so it unravels. So um, timeline therapy is great for that. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the question was, um, how do we take self responsibility mm. for for our own wounds? I guess it's it's acknowledging, you know, taking a moment to um, recognize what's just occurred and what's come up, and feeling mm. that in the body, so that we um, are having a sensory experience. We know that it's it's represented in our body. It's a, it's a alive in our cells. Whatever's um, yeah. come up, and and giving it that space to be seen and acknowledged. Um, feeling it and allowing it to be processed through the body is really important um, mm. because we, you know, our, our cognitive functions in our, in our mind, our, um, our cortical brain is, is 5 to 10%. So we, you know, a lot of our experience is stored in the body um, and it's a lot at the unconscious level. So we need to really allow things when they're ready, when they're triggered, when they come up to actually have an experience in that moment rather than repressing them again or, yeah. or pushing them back down or, or numbing out or, mm. you know, avoiding it, that that's our opportunity to um, to finally release something that was not processed proper, properly the first time around. So something that is stored, we can allow it to come out now. So yeah. going through the... Um, uh, the challenge, the discomfort of actually experiencing that triggered event this time because we didn't experience yeah. it and process it fully the first time or, you know, however many times. Mm. Yeah. So it's having the, um, the let's call it bravery to, to sit in that discomfort and process it when it comes up. Yeah. So it's, it's really an opportunity. So triggers are opportunities yeah yeah because you know if we don't have those um challenge moments then they can remain stored and remain um unseen and unprocessed yeah mm. so um how, how can we say triggers are your friend and yeah. <laughs> triggers are <laughs> beneficial Leaning. for you yeah. yeah 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 that's a really powerful way to look at it I think. yeah and I love how you spoke about going into the body because mm. that's just what we hear over and over again, how important your body is in like processing all of this stuff and everything yeah. lives there. It's stored there. And I think sometimes what we do, you know, say if someone triggers us, it can like take us into this really heightened disembodied state. Whereas what we really need to do. And that's, I think where we don't get anywhere when we're triggered and we just kind of react to the person rather than responding to the internal trigger. Mm. Uh, 
And I think just getting back into your body helps you to do the, do the inner work and actually let your body process and be, I guess what you're saying is like be with the event that's kind of coming up instead of trying to push it down again. Right. And I love that you spoke about the bravery of it. Mm, because it is. You yeah. have to be brave. 100%. Yeah. It's easier to blame and, you know, just turn it back to the other person. Yeah. Project. Yeah. yeah. I think in, in those moments when we are triggered and there's a sense of um, reactivity or, you know, wanting to project out and, and blame the other, um, something like flooding can can be occurring where we're, we're sort of bypassing um, the ability to process. We mm. kind of become overwhelmed and we're not able to think or, or experience clearly. So it's important to um, recognise that we're becoming overwhelmed and, you know, we're mm. becoming reactive and take a moment to step away and reflect on that and understand, you know, through what's happening in the body, um, you know, that we are sort of feeling overwhelmed and flooded and taking time out to um, downregulate our nervous system so that we can come back and actually engage in a more level-headed way. Um, yeah, so apparently um, the experience of flooding takes at least three minutes to sort of be cleared from the system. So having a 20-minute um, pause in, a, in an interaction will allow the body to come back to um, homeostasis and, and down-regulate so that we can, you know, take time out and self-soothe <clears throat> and then be able to come back and, and engage in a more um, regulated way with, with whoever, you know, we were having that interaction with. And, and um, a lot of... Uh, Experts sort of say that probably 20 minutes is a good amount of time to step aside and and take a pause. Um, an hour is probably, you know, a reasonable maximum. Um, but having a timeout is an opportunity to um, calm your system, to go and do something relaxing, and then have a pre-agreed time to come back to your partner or whoever you're having that disagreement with, mm. have a pre-agreed time to come back and, and resolve the conflict um, because um, let me get this straight. So if it's not processed um, in that moment, it uh, so, so an event that's processed is sort of becomes less significant or insignificant. It, it dissipates. It's been, it's been complete. It, it's done. Whereas if it's unresolved, then it becomes stored. Mm. And then that's when we um, are starting to build a new um, gestalt. Mm. So we're starting to build a new pattern of wounding. And, you know, if that happens again and again and again, then we're going to be more easily triggered and we're going to be, you know, on that um, uh, fine trigger. Uh, yeah, that fine trigger. Mm. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um yeah. I think that's going to be really nice to hear for a lot of couples, Jimin, that you can actually take those few minutes that you need to actually step back yeah, to come back into, Jimin, some sort of alignment or grounding mm. and then come back from a place of love instead of this place of fear and disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would add to that, you know, um, I definitely learn these things through personal experience and I can sort of tie in um, – attachment styles and their conflict patterns or their their um, way of engaging in um, conflict 
can can heighten uh, mm. issues in in partnerships. So um, dismissive avoidance, uh, dismissive. Is that again? Um, People who are inclined towards a dismissive avoidant uh, attachment style will want to retract from conflict. They avoid conflict and they will um, more likely get flooded and want to shut down and pull away from it. Whereas um, anxious, preoccupied (laughs) um, individuals will want to lean in and resolve it then and there and keep going until um, the the gap is closed and um, obviously these two dynamics are um, oppositional mm. and the more an anxious, preoccupied person leans in and wants to resolve and, and does more talking than the um, uh, dismissive avoidant um, attachment style will lean back and mm. close off and want to pull away and, yeah, the um, the dynamic gets heightened. So I think it's really important for people to have a pre-agreed um Mm-hmm. conflict um approach to conflict yep. yeah so that you know when you get triggered when you become irrational when you um are starting to be reactive rather than responsive then how are we going to deal with this mm-hmm. you know what's our what's our um strategy as a couple to kind of manage this situation when it comes up mm, feels like yeah. having a fire safety plan yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And i think like we strategize strategize so many other parts of our life and we just think oh well relationship doesn't need that kind of right because you you're so in love with that person you think I don't need to bring any of those kind of Mm. strategies into this but it's like you forget I think sometimes you are two people coming together yeah and you both need to because I think in like arguments for example you forget that you are two people and you feel really unsafe as well, like in those conflicts. And just, I love, again, like how you said, just take yourself away. Because mm. I think maybe someone who has like an abandonment thing might feel like I don't want to abandon my partner or I don't want them to leave me and them to abandon me in the moment as well. So having that pre-agreed thing, mm. I think, can really help with creating safety. Yeah. Again, within conflict and yeah, because at the end of the day, you do love this person. So why not, like anything else you love in life, you come up with strategies to make it work and make it successful. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think that kind of loops right back around to that um, idea of we're in each other's care. You know, you chose this person. Yeah. Um, love is a verb. It's an action. It's it's a choice to continue to love someone. And and mm. you're in a, um, a partnership and the partnership is a third entity mm. and you're co-creating that. That's um, It's not something that... Um, you know, naturally exists on its own. It's an intention to be together. It's an intention to create a life together and mm. and how you um, go about, you know, the fun times and the difficult times is all a negotiation and it's, it's better to um, have pre-established um, strategies when you're yeah. clear-headed so that you know when you start to become overwhelmed and flooded that you you both have agreed on how to approach that situation mm. so that you can work through it effectively rather than it um, um, blowing up. And mm. I think, you know, when, when things occur the first time, then you can recognise that that, is, um, that has been detrimental and therefore you start to talk about how you will deal with that in the future. Um, I think where a lot of people go wrong and, you know, (laughs) from personal experience again, um, is that you 
um, let things happen again and again and then realize that, oh, we've established a pattern now. This is our pattern in conflict. And um, it's now sort of it's rooted in it's the the trenches have been you know deepened in that pattern and um that's going to be harder to get out of so it's it's really important to be reflective and um take time to be aware of what's happening so Mm. that you can catch catch negative um i guess the, the negative way things unfold catch them early so that you can bring some consciousness to that relationship pattern and perhaps change it if it's not functioning well. Mm. Mm. Such good advice. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Hmm. Yes. And then Uh, then we must apply that. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) It's like just thinking about it is not enough. Mm. Yeah. Right. Why do you think that we don't do this in relationship? Mm. Obviously we do – we keep doing – what we know, mm. um, we 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 learn through um, observing what our caregivers did. We learn through our early relationship experiences, and we only know what we've experienced. We only know what we know. Mm. Um, so we're doing the best that we can with what we have. But it's important to sort of recognise when things are dysfunctional or they're not working as well as they could be, and. Um, making a conscious decision to adapt Mm. or change how that um, conflict occurs or that, you know, part of the aspect of the relationship occurs. And, you know, just going back to attachment styles, we all um, had different upbringings. Um, We might have reconciled certain things when we were younger. Perhaps we haven't and we've we've stored it and we've – we've become conditioned to certain ways of behaving and until like going going back to that idea of triggers until we have that light shone on um, a certain behavior we take it for granted we we presume that's how it's done that's how we've always done it that's how our caregivers did it that's you know all we know until we um, have an experience with someone else and they let us know in in some way or another that that's that doesn't work for me or that's um that's dysfunctional yeah <laughs> and then we then we have to reflect and and uh realize that you know perhaps i need to um do some work in this area and and perhaps repattern and and try new ways of relating mm-hmm. so you know if you um had yeah going back to those attachment styles um Apparently, and I'm, I'm not sure I, I would agree with this, but apparently about 50% of the population are um, inclined to secure attachment, whereas um, about, let's say, approximately 25% are anxiously preoccupied and another 25% approximately, I think it might be about 20%, um, are um, dismissive avoidant. And these two insecure attachment styles usually um, gravitate towards one another. Mm. So there's something that um, appeals to the other um, person in, in those attachment styles. So mm. a... Um, a dismissive avoidant, for example, well, let's call them someone who is inclined towards dismissive avoidance, um, might be more independent and um, sort of 
or look after their own emotional um, well-being and and sort of be an island. Let's let's say, whereas um, an anxiously preoccupied attachment style would want to uh, regulate and and interact a lot and um, have a lot of closeness and connection with their their partner. So, um, and and probably is a lot more outgoing and um, you know. Um, connected with other people. So these two attachment styles see um, uh, character traits in one another that they would like to develop in themselves, so they're attracted to one another. However, um, the they, they, you know, uh, trigger each other's wounds because mm. of those differences. So, you know, in partnerships we um, tend to want in a partner – the characteristics that we want to develop in ourselves. So through that relating, we can develop those inner parts. Mm. However, sometimes that can, you know, be a double-edged sword where we um, also get the the traits that rub up against us mm. and, yeah, make Cause it challenging. Friction. Yeah. 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 So fascinating. Mm. And what about the... Um, Secure attachment style, how does that turn up? How does that look? They would, um, I guess they would be responsive. They would use, they would be able to stay level-headed and make uh, rational decisions and they would have the, um, what do you call it? They would have robust self-definition so they would be well-defined enough to know where someone else is crossing their boundaries and they would be able to maintain um, strong boundaries around what they will and won't accept and and kind of stay centred in uh, in interactions. And Feels a lot healthier. <laughs> yeah. So happy for those people. Yeah, go <laughs> yeah, them. So happy for them. <laughs> go you guys. <laughs> and then, you know, clearly if they're, if they're good at um, – conflict resolution, then these are the kind of people who tend to stay together long term and have fairly well, um, have have healthy relationship dynamics, whereas um, more insecure attachment styles will kind of find themselves back on the dating market again and again. And um, it's more likely that these insecure attachment styles uh, are out there um, available to date and they're finding each other um, yeah so as a love coach is this something that you're able to help people with like to heal these attachment styles and step into a more secure attachment style yeah there's a lot of literature out there about um, healing insecure attachment and and becoming more secure so this is absolutely an area that I'm exploring mm. and and um, assisting others to work through as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm coming from a, um, a anxious avoidant um, background. I think, and it, it's it's also dependent on who you're relating with. So if mm, you're yes. in a relationship with uh, someone who's more securely attached, then you're going to learn um, relationship dynamics and and um, learn to relate in a way that is more leaning towards secure attachment. So. Mm. Um, it really depends on who you're having an interaction with and mm. whether that is a healing interaction um, or a healing relationship or whether it's it's 
a more triggering and wounding relationship. More karmic connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting if you actually look at past relationships and how you were in each of those, you can really see this play out. Like I know for myself, Jimin, at one point I had a very um, stable, secure partner and so my nervous system was so calm and regulated yeah. and I went from being quite anxious to Jimin feeling quite secure and turning yeah. up in that way because of them. Uh, and then you get back out into the dating world and, yeah, like I was faced with a lot of avoidance and so my anxious attachment was re-triggered. And so it's quite a journey and it's interesting just to reflect on that and look at the differences and the dynamic, I think, of what what energy you're allowing yourself to be surrounded by and why. Mm. I think that's a really great point and that's something that I'm fascinated with at the moment. It's about picking a partner, you know. Um, mm. If you choose a partner who's going to be triggering and unhealthy for you, then it's going to be a lot more work mm. and potentially uh, – not work out Mm. Um, so I think knowing what you need and and knowing who you are Mm. um, where you're coming from so your attachment styles your your values your needs your wants knowing um, you know how you work in a relationship how you deal with conflict that sort of thing knowing yourself well Mm. can help you to then look at well what do I need as a complementary energy in my life you know what kind of um, partnership would be um, empowering and Mm. um, uplifting and healing and soothing for my nervous system. So I think how you feel in partnership is really important. Um, uh, A lot of the experts sort of say, well, you can – and we know this, um, someone can look great on paper. You can, they can seem like they might be a perfect match for you, um, in, in an intellectual way or in a, um, cognitive mind way, but you know, you meet them and how do, how do your energies, Mm. um, play with one another? How does, how do you feel in their presence? And that's going to have, um, a huge, um, that will tell you a lot about, you know, whether whether that partner is going to be soothing for your nervous system or um, or not. And of course, you know, there's there's nerves and and um, things in the way we show up in, when we're first meeting someone that would mm. sort of distort how we're perceiving others. But <laughs> ultimately, that's I guess that's <laughs> why we're going through the dating process. You see someone multiple times in different circumstances. You know, yeah. having different kinds of interactions so that you can start to get a a sense of how you feel together um, in different environments and at different times so that you can then sort of make some calculated decisions around, you know, is this is this a supportive healing um, partnership or, mm. or is it actually going to be a lot of hard work and mm. uh, triggering um, a lot of my childhood wounds and, you know, mm. um, is, it, is it going to be... So I guess, yeah, we're looking for someone who is... A safe place, but also a um, a uh, instigator for growth. So, mm. yeah, can we can we have that mirror um, reflected to us that really shines a light on the parts that we need to work on? Yet, they are also a mm. nice, nice, comfy, um, you know, safe place as well. Yeah, yeah. So, getting that balance between you know um, someone who's helping us grow and someone who's keeping us 
safe and regulated or helping mm. us keep ourselves safe mm. and regulated. So many good points because I feel like when people enter into relationship, they're so focused on just the other person. Mm. Like they don't know themselves. Yeah. And it's just all about what does this person look like? How do they like, you know, show up in the world, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it's like, what about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, that's mm. the most important thing. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. It's not, do they like me? It's, do I like me with them? Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. I've had a few conversations recently with people who are um, going on dates and, you know, I ask them, okay, what are you looking for? You know, what are you, how are you going to um, turn up to this? And um, a lot of times I've heard, oh, well, I'm just going to just turn up and see what happens. Um, mm. <laughs> hope for the best, really. And that to me um, is fascinating and shocking because <laughs> 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 if you don't know what you need, if you don't know what you value in life and what you value in a relationship and what you value in a partnership and what you need and, and what works for you and, you know, then – you're really kind of going in blind. Mm. So, you know, having some, having done some work around, well, yeah, what what am I looking for? You know, I need to have in some, in some respects, some sort of mental checklist mm. that I, I know will work for me. You know, what kind of container am I looking for? Mm. Um, you know, am I looking for a people with certain traits, certain age, do they need to have children, no children, do they want children, you know, um, what kind of financial background, are they spiritual, um, mm. yeah, do I, from experience, am I looking for someone who's got a certain level of emotional intelligence, um, mm. what exactly am I looking for? Um, uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, content from Matthew Hussey, um, recently he's a, he's a women's um, relationship coach and there's a woman called uh, Thais Gibson who runs the personal development school and she does attachment style training um, and they talk about the phases of relationships and how people kind of um, maybe get stuck at a certain phase of a relationship you know there's the the first phase where you might see someone maybe it's online maybe it's in person and you there's something attractive about them so maybe it's their energy maybe it's the way they look maybe it's their um their career or you know there's something that you admire or you you feel attracted to in them and they're sort of over there and you're aware of them and you know there's something about them that you're you're intrigued by you know there has to be that there has to be some sort of like pull towards someone to Mm. start with um but then that's sort of just one-sided. There's that's you looking at them, going, "Oh, they're great." You know, they've got the, all of these characteristics and and qualities that you know I'm fascinated by and I, I'm interested in. And then there's the, the sort of next step where you you meet and it's mutual. You know, you're both fascinated and attracted by one another, and and there's this um, mutuality to it where you're you know, you're exploring, you're interested, you're getting to know each other. And so I think that's where um, values and and needs come into play. Like you're starting to see whether, you know, there is some um, spark and and energy moving between you, but also kind of getting to know some of the um, details about them and their life and and what they, you know, who they are um, at a deeper level. Um, 
And then there's sort of the next point where you decide, okay, we we are going to be together. Like we're going to be a couple. We're going to um, commit to one another and and we're going to, you know, move in and we're going to buy a house and we're going to have a baby or, you know, we're going to go travelling or, you know, we, we're, we're deciding to do life together. Um, and, you know, the... I think during this there's that honeymoon phase where things are um, – uh, I'm, I'm just blending these um, Matthew Hussey's and, and Tyus Gibson's ideas together. So there's this sort of like the honeymoon phase which can be from six months to two years kind of thing where things seem to be tra- tracking along and you decide to kind of, you know, establish an us. Um, you know, there is a, a couple identity and you are, um, you know – becoming a, a unit in, in some respect. Mm. Um, and then there's this sort of fourth point that Matthew talks about where um, there might be commitment, but are you compatible? Mm. <laughs> you know, long-term longevity in a relationship means that you have to work. It has to yeah. work. It has to be compatible. So, mm. you know, do you both want to be in a monogamous relationship or what kind of, you know, structure do you want in your mm. relationship? Do you do you both want to live in the same country or the same town? Do you mm. have the same ideals uh, about, you know, what you want from life? Do you, you know, the way you do the big things and the small things, are they, do they match? Mm. Um, and I think, you know, Thais talks about um, the, this sort of, time being when people sort of break up um it seems really interesting hearing this because it feels like step four should come before step three yeah <laughs> yeah just give me a second figure out your I compatibility God, i've written it down oh there we go yeah but um, people just get too swept up sometimes i think they don't think about that stuff you know what i mean yeah, I guess, well, if you've got, um, you know, you've got the attraction and you're, um, you're in your love bubble mm. and you've decided you want to continue that, then you commit. But I guess it's only over time that you start to realise that, oh, okay, when, when um, things come back down to earth, are we going to be able to live together and, and mm. do life together long term? So, um yeah, Thais calls this sort of the power struggle stage and, and um, that a lot of people sort of break up during mm. this time because they, they can't reconcile all of these differences. Um, but then there's, you know, stages after that that are sort of called stability or, um, you know, some sort of stabilising stage and then kind of getting into a, a, a more... Um, easeful, spiritual, um, blissful stage towards the end where things just are uplifting and, and flowing, yeah. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that really quite fascinates me to be honest because mm. I get when you're younger <laughs> and you're dating and that happens. I, I can see how that plays out because you do get stuck in the, the dream mm. of someone instead of the reality and you, you date their potential, not who's presenting. Mm. I understand that, like when you're dating in your 20s, but surely there's some sort of shift because I swear to God, dating in my 30s, step four is absolutely before (laughs) step three. I don't allow myself On the first date. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not dropping into any honeymoon until I've worked out step four because I'm not not here to waste my time or their time. Mm. 
Do you see that? Yeah. I guess there's um, on an intellectual level, you might be able to have discussions around compatibility and and, um, have, you know, hold that in your mind about whether you're compatible. But I think in the the day-to-day life and as things progress, you start to see things, you know, that I'm sure both individuals – we're not aware of, you know, right. there might be blind mm. spots in, mm-hmm. in their own lives and in their relational lives that kind of get teased out over time and mm. and then gotcha. you've already committed, you've already been in it for, you mm. know, a certain number of years and then you're realising that there's there's um, incompatibilities coming up um, in, in maybe the way you live life or your life dreams yeah. and then it's kind of, well, do we... How do we negotiate that? Yeah. yeah. Mm. How can we reconcile that? You can only, uh, exactly, it's kind of like exploring it. Like as an mm. idea, you can have that conversation of if you are compatible, but that's also dependent on how well each person coming into the relationship actually knows themselves yes. and what they truly mm. want yeah. and whether those things are actually true self-desires or just maybe what society thinks you should want in life. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then as you start to explore life more and with a particular person I think yeah like you said it starts to change for sure as you grow as an individual as well and as the relationship grows all these little things start to pop up that you didn't realize were a thing or that you would even have to ask is that compatible Mm. like you can only know so much of what Mm. to ask are we compatible on this until like they actually present in life and then go are we compatible on this yeah so I kind of yeah makes sense why it's a little bit later I think yeah I think we we choose people um, as best as we can, but totally. you know we 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 all have a different model of the world. We all have a, a different inner landscape, mm. and you know it's so complex, and a lot of it is veiled and 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 mm. hidden even to ourselves. That it's yeah. only over time that we realize that you know yeah that's really important to me. You know, yeah. or mm. that really is really triggering to me. And, yep. you know, I didn't realise that before until mm. we're two years in. Yeah. And maybe you yeah. don't realise it because you're so swept up in the honeymoon phase yeah. that you just want to, like, stay with that person so much. So yeah. you can't see that. So you're committed. Yeah. But then you're having all of this um, incompatibility come up. And, yeah. And yeah. Then having conflict resolution um, skills is really important. So how do you communicate this to your partner? How do you negotiate these things? And mm. I think communication just is it's really big to me and um it's so important i can i think being able to share in words um again i think it was um john gottman who's uh, head of the gottman's institute he he sort of talks through how to um deal with conflict in it and it's something along the lines of well you first got to feel you know what is your experience mm. and then have the words to you know to know which words um, mm. uh, can can represent that experience and sharing that with with your partner, um, and having a, a conversation where there's like follow up questions that explore deeper. So having that initial experience, being able to put it into words, sharing that, having a discussion where you're deepening and and exploring further. So um, open ended questions where you can sort of really um, want to learn about each other and and understand what's going on and then having um, 
the willingness to listen and just really mm. hear, I think um, that can be challenging going back to that idea of being flooded and overwhelmed and, you know, res- reactive rather than responsive. Listening is really challenging when you, you know, you've got your own mental chatter going on and you've got your own perspective that you want to jump in and share. Like really listening and hearing the other person's experience is, um, you know, I, I would say most people probably bypass that a lot and just kind of jump straight to, well, I'm going to answer that or I'm going to share my um, experience. But actually taking the time to to really listen to What's going on in that other person's world? Mm. Yeah, how are they experiencing this? So, so feeling it in your body, knowing um, ha- what's coming up, putting it into words, um, having a deepening conversation where you explore further, uh, having you know listening to one another, and then having compassion um, for the other's experience. You know, just really having the open-heartedness, open-hearted response to what's going on with them Um, and then willingness to obviously uh, work together Mm. to to make shifts. Yeah, we really um, (laughs) – I think in general everyone could do with a lot more support and and, and inner work in in learning how to relate to others. Yeah. Yeah, we – do it all the time that's yeah. all you do in life is yep. just relate mm. I love kind of what you said about like their experience and your experience because I think in relationships or in conflict in particular we forget that there's two realities mm. existing at the same time mm. and we think whatever we're feeling and our reality and our experience of the situation is exactly how it happened for them too so if right. we feel hurt then f- if we forget that they have a reality we assume their reality of the experience is also that they hurt us and they should know that. Mm. Whereas actually really know we're having our own reality and our inner world is existing, you know, here. And then their reality and their inner world is existing over here. Mm. And I think in relationship and in conflict, if we can remember that there's two realities here and neither of them have to compete with one another or be right, but just let each reality be communicated and expressed and also personally felt, Mm. yeah like that would just be yeah I think this is the challenge really isn't it that um no one's wrong Mm. and um even if it's hard to hear or it's challenging to hold um making the other wrong is not going to yeah help Mm. um so holding space and 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 being able to accept the other person's experience is different um, and maybe uncomfortable for you uh, is a a real challenge but Mm. something that's necessary and you know going back to that book by um, Stan Tatkin in each other's care doesn't really matter the why or how it came up whether it's just self inner perception or whether you know someone did you know do something Um, if that's your experience that's that's what's happening right now and you know whether it's it's, true for you you know whether you categorize it as right or wrong it's it it is yeah that is what is happening and and I think um, it's important to he talks about weeness and and turning inwards and you know these are sliding door moments you know you can either be combative and and be oppositional or you can you can see this other person as the person you chose and, mm. you know, for whatever reason they're having a challenging experience and, you know, you chose to love them and care for them mm. through 
whatever's happening. And um, I think it's that that triggering moment where where someone's feeling blamed or someone is being blamed or there's projection and mm. things going on that things can start to go um, awry. And so I think you know that taking time out is important and uh, but also being o- open hearted and receptive to others' experience is really important mm. because you know ultimately, it's a choice to love someone. It's a choice to stay and, and care for them. And, and regardless of whether it um, seems, if it doesn't make sense to your model of the world or your experience, it, it is someone else's experience. And mm. um, being able to hold that and, you know, have that um, go through and and hold space for them and, and be a caring um partner as they go through their own process you know obviously people need to do their own work and and it's their own um healing and learning journey but how we hold space and and Mm. care for the other while they go through that is really important yeah that's so powerful because sometimes like when I'm in conflict with my husband I just have that like I guess maybe what you call it like a sliding door moment and I'm like hang on, this is a person that I adore and love so much. Like, how can I, I'm going to get teary. Yeah. (laughs) How can I like just really care for this person in this moment and know that his experience doesn't necessarily make my experience wrong or, but how can I actually let him have his experience of the moment instead of just being like, well, no, my experience is right. I'm going to blame you as to why. And like when I have those, like moments of awareness again of like, no, this is my person. I chose him and I love him so much. And I want to care for him in this moment, in this challenge that we're maybe both going through and existing within. And if you can get to that point, that's where you can start to resolve. And I find us now having, you know, often conversations or conflicts that actually in the moment now actually feel quite lovely. Yeah. Because you know that you're just totally safe and held and respected and it didn't always used to be like that of course Mm. (laughs) like it takes time to get to that (laughs) yeah but just to know like these conversations or conflicts actually feel like you're going somewhere and moving forward and it feels it's Mm. such a shift Mm. and it it's really lovely when you can and that takes I think time and willingness to just keep going inward because I didn't used to be like that. I used to be totally triggered and Mm. didn't even realise that that was a thing. Like when I was a lot younger, I didn't realise that, oh, something that you did is actually triggering something that else happened to me or whether you did that or, you know. Mm. Mm. So I think it takes time and Mm. willingness. and Yeah. And I think once that, um, because we've got parts that are sort of different ages and have had different experiences Mm. and have healed to certain extents, you know, once we've kind of activated a part that, mm. you know, is wounded and wants to fight back or what have you, um, we we are not going to get very far in that mm. in that discussion when when that is the part that is sort of front and centre mm. now. Um, so it's really important to sort of step back and, and be able to recognise what's going on and yeah. and um, and to self soothe. Um, there's also something that just sort of popped up as you were speaking. Um, I think John Gottman um, talked about um, seeing your partner as a temporarily annoying fr- 
friend <laughs> rather than a permanently, you know, um, you know, aggravating uh, enemy kind of yeah. thing. You know, like in those moments, yeah, they they might have stirred up something in you, but mm. ultimately, big picture, you've you know you you're going to love them at the end of the day and yeah. you know they're not your enemy mm. so it's kind of seeing it as um yes um this is a challenge and all relationships have a challenge and and you know the studies indicate that um successful relationships don't have um they they have challenges mm. it's not like they don't have conflict in su- successful relationships it's just they see conflict as an opportunity to um to to understand each other better mm. and to fine tune the nature of the relationship rather than to um push back and and you know be combative mm. yeah so it's it's finding you know it's being aware enough that okay i'm 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 interacting from a wounded place mm. and mm. that's not going to go anywhere so i need to yeah. kind of step back um take some space but we need to come back together mm. before it kind of gets locked in as a mm. unresolved issue. Yes. We need to come back together and from a more centred space and actually resolve it. Um, there's this thing called uh, the Zyganic effect and it's basically when you open a loop and it or you open something and it's not closed. So as, soon as, as long as something is still open and unresolved where – we're more inclined to be trying to figure out how to fix it and we're, we're mm. ruminating, we're thinking about it all the time where, you know, it's starting to become a thing. Um, you know, had it been resolved already, I would have forgotten about it. I yeah. would have – it would have been a mm. blip and, and in mm. history and now here it is something that I'm thinking about night and day, trying to figure out, trying to resolve, you know, I'm trying to bring it up again um, and it's becoming another, you know – um, it's 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 gaining in energy and it's gaining mm. in in um it's becoming a thing now. Yeah, yeah. So um, so the zyganic effect is is essentially if um if something's still open, then we'll keep it in our mind. But as soon as it's closed, then we can forget about it. So energetically, um, something that's been resolved mm. is able to be let go. Something that is unresolved is going to, you know, start to build a trench and and become um, sort of reinforced and 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 have a a more permanent permanent place in our psyche and our in our body and it starts to um, yeah take up space and energy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So bottom line there is to um, resolve things yeah. quickly <laughs> and. Move forward, and yeah. um, actually, what you were talking about before, you know, in the height of the moment, and how do you, how do you um, s- pull away from a triggered event or a, um, an, a sort of negative event? I've heard um, people say that you know, if you lie down, you can't fight when you're both lying on your backs on mm. the ground. Like, um, so, so. Some so, I've never tried that, but because I, I think that just has never occurred to me in the middle yeah. of an argument. Right. Let's like, lay down. Excuse me. Yep. Change position. You know what's yep. so funny? Last <laughs> night I made us just lay on the couch, like instead of talking for a minute. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, "Can we just lay down together? Yeah. Like, just, just give me a minute to yeah. like regulate. I, I can't talk yet. Yeah. Yep. And we just laid down and like held each other. And then it only took me probably like three five minutes. 
and then we were able to just mm. speak so calmly. Yeah. It yeah. was such a difference. It was such a shift. Yeah. yeah. Just from taking that tiny pause. Yeah. So it's a funny actually. Like and that's day that you say yeah later. and that, that's knowing yourself <laughs> knowing how you can co-regulate with your partner rather mm. than you know being that permanent um you know you're a, they're a temporarily um annoying yeah. or frustrating friend rather mm. than a sort of permanent um enemy mm. so so I think being able to say to your partner hey I'm starting to feel triggered I'm starting to feel um dysregulated what would help me you know I I'm obviously responsible for my own self-soothing, but, you know, mm. if you would like to co-regulate with me, you know, having a hug, lying down, you know, that would help me to come back to my centre and then we can, you know, have a more centred discussion on that. So I mm. think knowing that we're in each other's care, that um, that would be beneficial for the unit, for the uh, the couple bubble to to do this together to kind of self uh, to to co-regulate mm. and, and and soothe together then um then we can get back to the the um discussion in a more centered way and and mm. resolve it yeah yeah so i think it's it's knowing okay things are starting to heighten how do i pattern interrupt and what would that pattern interrupt be what what kind of action um, could we take that's kind of immediate? Like mm. um, I think Esther Perel talked about, um, you know, just starting to laugh at each other. Like when oh, things yeah, get we really do that. intense. Yeah, yep. just, and yeah. it's actually like it makes such a difference. Right. And sometimes like I've noticed, I can't remember one time we were having an argument about something and like he nearly fell over or like did something stupid and I was just like I went to go laugh and then like, part of me popped in and was like, no, remember you're fighting. And then I was right. like, oh my God, ridiculous, just laugh. And it does just like, as soon as you see someone smile, you just completely forget about what's going yeah. on. Yeah. I yeah. love that. We're just trying so hard to protect our wounded parts 100%. that, you know, we put up these walls, these barriers and, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's a moment like that where you can laugh and go, hey, no, that's, that's, my husband, you know, yeah, like he's totally. not trying to, he's not trying to ruin my life. Yeah. We're just having a triggered moment and yeah. yeah, like, yeah, let's, let's lighten it a bit. Yeah. And for the listeners, I want you to kind of like really take home that what you said, that idea of they are just an annoying friend in the moment that just, yeah. they are not an enemy. Like, I think if you can remember that, like that is so powerful because mm. I think back to all of the times when I've you know, gotten really deep in a fight or something and it is because I feel like he's the enemy. Yeah. Like my survival is at stake. Yeah. My my entire being mm. is being threatened. Yeah. 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 I think that's so powerful and I've never heard it before. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super cool. It's um it's fascinating stuff. I was just going to say that um our development, we go through different stages of development and if it's been um if it's been halted for whatever reason at a certain age, then a whenever we encounter an external event or and um, we have a, a an interaction that's that's similar to what we experienced in childhood, then we'll regress to that uh. that age. We'll we'll respond from. Right. That part of us that is that age. So, you know, it didn't develop to an adult um, reasoning. Level. Yeah, exactly. So, so we'll sense. regress back so to that sense. last yeah. stage that we got to that was somehow halted or, yeah. or um, 
limited in its development and that's that's the age that we're going to be reacting from yeah this is why this like jimin like the three of us sitting here we're all very proactive in our personal development Mm. it blows my mind people that don't really go into this work with themselves Mm. what they're walking around with and like how they're even like Mm. living like how 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 is how like how are you operating in oblivion yeah (laughs) i saw a meme recently that was just basically like I'm I'm so tired of doing all the inner work. I'm just totally. going to be I'm just going to be wholeheartedly, you know, insane from now on. <laughs> like I'm just going to give over to, you know, being completely oblivious and insane. Mm. That's surely this is easier. Where I'm at now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I may take that up in a few years' time. <laughs> Watch this space. Give it a few years. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, and you know, as as you're saying, you know, we're just human, um, and with all of this work and all of this awareness and and knowledge. In the moment, it can still unravel. <laughs> yeah, know, it's a work in progress. Absolutely, and, you know, um, it's just a attempting to do the healing and and apply the learning and do our best and you know make gradually gradual um, improvements. Mm. Mm. So, for someone that is looking to work with you or a, a love life coach, how does it? kind of look how how mm. do you structure your packages to kind of set people up for success do you mean so that they can find these stable long-term committed relationships and they can keep progressing through all of these stages of the relationship to find that that peace and joy that everyone's looking for mm. um it's a supportive environment and and I've got a whole bunch of different tools that work with the unconscious mind that are somatically based. Um, there's talk, talk um, elements as well. So there's lots of uh, different ways of working with me and, and different tools that we can use. Ultimately, it's it's coming from within. It's what, it, what are you um, ready for? What comes up in the moment? How do you how do you transform and um, integrate the things that come up? It's it's basically you know working with the individual and supporting them to um, heal themselves. Really, mm. yeah. So there's a whole bunch of um, different processes like neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy, hypnosis, sim- um, somatic embodiment. Um, different you know ways of different different processes and I would basically choose different um, sessions that would resonate with uh, someone Mm. someone's needs yeah Mm. really depends on what they're working through and and um, what would be what would make the biggest difference right now you know obviously we've got a lifetime of history and and challenges behind us and you know changing patterns um unraveling conditioning you know it's not going to happen suddenly Mm. um it's just okay what would be the biggest win right now what would be make the biggest difference in your life if we could shift in this area and um ultimately it's it's working with people where they're at Mm. and and making um gradual improvements yeah and do you usually find that you work with individuals or couples? So I work with individuals and they could mm-hmm. be single or in a couple. Yeah. Mm. So um, I, I specialise in working with individuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
whether they're coupled or, or single. And mm. specifically, um, I'm really interested in this in this space where people are single. Potentially, they've been single for a long time. Maybe they're recently um, out of a relationship and and starting to figure out. Okay, what were the learnings? What what did what do I need to um, take from that past relationship mm. and change or be aware of um, moving forward and being more conscious in, you know, conscious dating, conscious mm. relating, uh, finding a um, ideal suitable partner um, who is compatible for you, uh, compatible with you and going into that next relationship with the learnings and the mm. um, understanding of self and and partnership and and life that they that they can create and and bring into existence this um this energetic match and and the you know external match that um that would lead to their self-development and growth yeah it's (laughs) I think that was a very kind of convoluted way of answering that question but yeah ultimately it's um I like it yeah I think imagine if more people did this work and actually yeah. turned up to the mm. relationships from this place, do you know what I mean? Like mm. from this really aware space, they're consciously doing the work and they're committed to continue the work even when they're in the partnership. Because mm. yeah. what I've found personally is, you know, I could do so much healing on my own, but once you get back into a relationship, you unlock a whole different layer, a whole different space. Yeah. And the work continues and you have to be committed to the journey if you want to be committed to that person. Mm. Yeah, I mm. love that. I love how you phrase that. Yeah, mm. you've got to be committed to yourself. You've got to mm. be committed to your own healing and it is a journey. It's not going to just suddenly be resolved because someone has, you know, filled the void of mm. um, some of your darker, um, emptier places. And, yeah, they're, um, they're actually, you know, whether they're in your life or not, um, they're highlighting where you need to do some work. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I love that relationships come in just to teach us so much about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like There's such an invitation for growth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially those intimate, um, you know, that that if you're in a mon- monogamous relationship, that intimate relationship that you can't hide. Mm. You can't mm. hide in <laughs> that relationship. <laughs> you know, things are going to come up um, whether you like it or not. Yeah. 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 Although some people do try to hide. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> yep, pull I away. And, yep. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like ultimately like when you're in that deeply committed relationship, you can't hide from yourself like more than anything. Mm. And I think like when you can get into arguments and stuff, I feel like what you're really fighting sometimes is like you're fighting that part in yourself that you don't want to like look at. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, you just, you you can't hide. There's mirrors everywhere in your relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess it's that sense of, you know, if I let this part come up, Mm. I I can't protect it, you know, like I'm trying to protect uh, that part, you know, um, thinking about parts, uh, ourselves being made up of multiple parts with subpersonalities mm. and things like that. We've got, you know, the wounded part and we've got the protector part and, you know, we want to protect mm. that wounded part from, yeah. you know, ever seeing the light of day. Um, but if it starts to come up, you know, our protector part c- jumps in and yeah. tries to, you know, do something about it. Um, but ultimately that wounded part is still there um, yeah. and... 
allowing it to come up and and be seen and heard and have its role changed, you know, so it's not stuck there playing the same old wounded mm. role that it always has, you know, allowing it to come up and um, perhaps being released from its role, you know, mm. as, as we said before, perhaps a part was established when we were five years old mm. for a particular reason that was happening in our family dynamics and, you know, it was just locked in there and, and we, we somehow are doing something in our lives that comes from that place of, um, you know, that's being led by that, that part that was five years old um, and, you know, perhaps in being triggered and, and having these parts come up, we get to look at them and hold them and experience them and, and maybe let them go because they're mm. not needed anymore. You know, that, mm. that situation, that environment doesn't exist anymore mm. or, or perhaps that um, the role that they have played in our lives doesn't actually serve us or, or um, keep us safe anymore. You know, maybe mm. it did keep us safe at one point but now it doesn't and mm. it's just there blocking something or holding us back from something um, but that's not what we need it to do anymore. Mm. Yeah, so like bringing things to light and um, reconditioning and, and re, um, reparenting parts, mm-hmm. you know, is really, really important. Yeah, so that, that sense of, you know, whatever, something that happens in our external environment, perhaps it's an experience or perhaps it's an interaction, but um, we've got blind spots, we've got um, dark areas, we've got repressed selves, um, exiles, some people call them, or shadow parts that, you know, suddenly they come to light and we're like, holy shit, let's push that back down, you know, <laughs> that's uncomfortable, um, yeah. haven't seen that for a while, that's, that's you know, very, very destabilising, but I think it's in that moment, you know, sitting with it and experiencing it and actually allowing it to be seen and, and brought to light allows it to transform it mm. and either, yeah, release it or or give it another role. Mm. And I guess as well, Jimin, a lot of the things we're talking about during this episode might sound quite big and kind of scary for some people. So I guess I just want to encourage you to reach out and find the support in, in the yeah. qualified practitioners who can hold you and guide you through this. Just that reminder that you don't and you're not meant to go through this alone and that, yeah, there's just so much power in empowering yourself, you know, and being vulnerable. So, Mm. yeah, just throwing that out there that you don't have to try and work out all of this Mm. on your Mm. own. Yeah. And I think there's um, a lot of power in being held in a supportive container. You know, there's Mm. a, a lot of work we can do ourselves but having someone take you through a process and reflect back to you what's coming up and Mm. kind of be um, in that process with you so a co-active relationship where you know you're you're having your inner world reflected back and you know acknowledged and Mm. um, worked through with someone so that you're not just doing that on your own um, can be really healing and supportive yeah Mm. So whether it's in a um, conscious relationship or whether it's with a coach who can be that um, other who kind of holds space and also reflects to you, then, yeah, that can be really supportive. Mm. Yep. 
can make it a um, a healing journey and and kind of I guess sometimes it can be scary to allow things to come up and be processed on your own. So working it through with someone can be really supportive. Definitely. Yeah. So if people want to work with you, yeah, how do your services kind of look and how can they get in touch and all, all those good juicy things? Yeah. Um, so at the moment I offer uh, one-on-one coaching packages. Mm-hmm. So you can um, sign up for several sessions and we can put together a plan. Um, our first session would be discussing, you know, what your personal history is. So like mm. understanding your family dynamics and your relationships and, you know, all of the things that are challenging for you and what you've done to resolve them in the past and mm. kind of getting a lay of the land so that we know, okay, well, what would be the biggest um, change? Um, how would you know that you've achieved that? And, you know, what what's really burning inside of you to to work through right now mm. and putting together a package that would help um, um, someone transform quite quite significantly um, in, in within the package um, within the coaching sessions so one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. um, at the moment I am in the process of putting together some pre-recorded online content so to talk through um, talk people through things like how to go through that dating process, you know, mm. what kind of things to think about and do as we're getting back out there and meeting people and trying to pick an ideal partner and, and um, find a, a energetic match um, and a, a compatible relationship. You know, what kind of things do we need to do to prepare ourselves and and to, um, to start to interact with others and then, you know, what kind of things might come up um, as we are meeting people and and starting to get to know people um, and then as you're sort of moving into a more um, committed relationship what kind of things might come up as well so yeah um, I'm going to be putting together a pre-recorded um, series of of online modules so that will be available later in the year Nice. But at the moment, yeah, one-on-one coaching is the best way to work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just follow me on Instagram or go to my website and um, just send me a, a message or you can fill in a form and just give me a little bit of information and we can have a chat and figure out how we can best work together. And, yeah, there's no no time like the present, really. Like this mm. is the first day of the rest of your life, you know. If there's – it's it's today's version of you that decides, makes the decisions that will um, – help you know unveil and and create that future version that you want to um grow into Mm, beautifully said amazing so we'll make sure that we link up kelly's instagram and her website in the show notes and give you a bit more information around these packages and just exactly what she can kind of help you with because yeah i've worked with kelly a few times and she's phenomenal at her craft so absolutely get in touch and yeah thank you so much for coming in you're welcome amazing yeah Mm. and now's a great time because i'm um offering some uh discounted coaching packages and um i'll be offering attachment style um reprogramming uh sessions coming up very soon so if you uh, feel that you're more insecure in your attachment style and you'd like to become more secure and and have more 
secure relationships, then mm. definitely reach out. I've got some um, very discounted packages coming up very soon. So I'll be looking for a small number of people to to go through that uh, with me. And awesome. yeah, so definitely reach out. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.